and welcome back to Beyond Survival, the new teacher podcast. My name is Jamie Tom. Each month in this second series of the podcast, I will pick one education book. And the purpose of this teacher talk today is to provide some key takeaways from reading it. So it's a book I've read that I thought that was absolutely fantastic. I want to share some of the key strategies for listeners to try and implement in their practice. And obviously part of this is about me thinking about what books would be really, really helpful for teachers at the start in the first five years or so of their career that would have a really positive impact on their practice. So this month is Sam Strickland's They Don't Behave For Me, 50 Classroom Behaviour Scenarios to Support Secondary Phase Teachers. And this book is a brilliant one and it's an extremely useful book for teachers at the start of their careers. What it does is it unpicks lots and lots of really practical classroom scenarios that I'm sure will really resonate for listeners of this podcast. And it provides clear and actionable guidance on how as a teacher, you can start to manage those scenarios in your classroom. And Sam approaches that in three stages. He clearly sets out what the issue is, things you can do now in order to help change that issue, and then things you can do moving forward to help improve that aspect of your classroom practice. And I was thinking about what book would be brilliant at the start of the year to get some takeaways from. And I think this is a really good one because obviously behaviour and setting behaviour standards and routines will be at the forefront of lots of listeners' minds as they listen to this podcast. So securing those really, really positive conditions at the start of the year can make life so much easier as the year progresses. And Sam's got a brilliant interview that I'll share on Wednesday's episode this week, where he focuses on what you can do at the start of the year to help secure those behaviour conditions. And he makes this point really explicit at the start of They Don't Behave For Me, this book. And he says the following, Behaviour issues should not be a barrier to entering and remaining in this profession. Negative behaviour can be like kryptonite to an unprepared teacher, causing a long-term erosion of well-being, morale and motivation. Paradoxically though, well-behaved students or well-managed behaviour can also serve as a catalyst that allows a teacher to thrive, to succeed and to be highly effective. So, with that in mind, what I'd like to do is in the next 10 minutes, unpick three of the 50 behaviour scenarios and look at the advice that Sam offers. And I've tried to pick three that I thought are likely to be relevant in the first few weeks of a new school term. So the first scenario is continual low level disruption. And just to make that explicit, when we talk about low level disruption, that's when we're talking about an atmosphere in the classroom where young people perhaps are off task. They're not focused on the lesson. 
there's off-task conversations going on, and there might be a little bit of, as I say, low-level issues across the classroom. So nothing huge, nothing significant, but what's happening is that low-level disruption is really impacting on the quality of learning that might be taking place. And if we imagine in this scenario that there's there's not just isolated students who are causing this low-level disruption, that it's almost like a class ethos. There's lots and lots of distractions that are happening across the room. So what advice does Sam offer about how you might address that low-level disruption? The first thing he makes very explicit, and this is a theme that runs all the way throughout the book, is that you need to plan for the management of behaviour like you plan for your curriculum. So it's almost like there's a, a, a correlation between the two. So whatever you're investing in terms of a plan for the lesson, to the content of that lesson, you also plan for the content and what your expectations are in terms of the behaviour of the students. And that word expectations is really important here. And I think it's a really useful process to go through at the start of a year. So what are the very, very clear expectations that you are going to repeat, repeat, repeat in those opening first few weeks with a new class? What are the class routines that you are very, very confident on and then can very confidently translate and communicate to the young people in that class? And Sam also talks about providing clarity on what is permissible. So what are you going to allow in that classroom setting? And what are you not going to allow in that classroom setting? And is that crystal clear with the young people in that class? There's also things you can do, as Sam highlights in this part of the book, about your awareness of the young people who are in front of you. So making sure that you have a really, really good intelligence on the young people who make up the dynamic of that class. Is there anything you need to know about them? Is there any particular issues that they may have that they're bringing into that lesson and it is then contributing to that low-level disruption? And one thing Sam argues for, which I think is really sensible advice, is if in the first couple of weeks that low-level disruption starts to permeate across the class and it starts to become a set behaviour from the young people, then really you need a reset. You need to start again with that class and you need to then, once you have stopped the class and explained that the behaviour they're demonstrating is not acceptable, then you need to have an action plan moving forward with really, really clear guidance on behaviour expectations moving forward. And finally, on this particular scenario, and it's again something that Sam mentions throughout the book. It's really important that we collaborate as teams, as individuals working in a school setting. 
and that we share ideas and we share strategies. And also that we seek out people who are really strong in terms of managing behavior in the classroom and who have worked through all the things that we've talked about so far in this scenario and have planned for it and have implemented them. And watching those other colleagues can really empower you with brilliant behavior strategies moving forward in your own lessons. So that's the first scenario, how to manage continual low-level disruption. The second scenario is a little bit more explicit. The second scenario Sam calls off with a bang. So what's going on in this situation? Basically, it's when the start of lessons are really disrupted and no learning is taking place at the start of the lesson. And this is a really, really big one because if that happens at the start of lessons, it's sending the wrong message to young people about what happens and what are the cultural behavioural norms in your classroom, which then obviously permeates into the rest of that lesson. And it means there's significant disruption for the rest of that lesson. So if you're in a situation where you've got frequently, you're fighting fires at the start of lessons and they're really, really disruptive. What can you do? The first thing you can do again is, is a little bit of repetition in terms of what came before in the previous scenario is that notion of resetting. If this has happened for a few lessons in a row, then clearly something needs to happen and something needs to happen quickly in order to address this at the start of the academic year. So you might start on a routine that happens at the start of every single lesson. And that routine, as Sam suggests, might be to get them to enter to a very, very clear question that they need to then answer individually. And you are being really, really clear and really explicit about how you want them to enter your classroom. And what you do is you very clearly, you very calmly narrate your expectations of how you want them to enter the room. And one of the things that Sam says here is that notion of insisting on silence. Insisting that they come in, insisting they sit down, and insisting they are working individually. Now, that's going to be coupled with, if you're resetting that and you're explaining that you're not happy with the way that lessons are starting, it's not a positive way for us to begin our lessons. Instead, we're going to do something differently. We're going to enter into this question. Then you also need to consider where you stand in the classroom? Do you stand at the doorway? Do you welcome the class as they come into the room and remind them of the expectation that they're going to work on this question individually? And again, what that requires is, is this real sense of organisation, having everything set out, everything ready, everything organised for the lesson ahead. And it's always about that routine that is really consistent and really repetitive. 
And fundamentally, what that signals is it signals that you, as the teacher, dictate how your lessons start. And you, as the teacher, dictate the tone of that lesson, not the young people. And I think a final point on this that Sam makes is really also important. You have to validate that initial task for them. You have to go over that starter question and make sure that they're aware as to why they have done that particular task. Okay, we've got three minutes remaining, so I'm going to do one more scenario. Um, in this scenario, again, it's quite specific, but what's happened is there's feedback from your mentors, from your students, from your people you work with in the school, that actually what's happening in your lessons is your language is very negative. And you're starting to feel that yourself. The tone of the lessons is a little bit negative. So what can you do? Sam gives some brilliant advice on this one as well. First of all, you have to be open to feedback as a teacher. That's really important. Taking on board what the various different people involved in your lessons are saying. And it's really interesting in some ways as well to perhaps record a little section of the lesson. Or even film a part so you can see yourself in action. And Sam has this quotation, which I thought was really useful. I'm going to share it here. He writes, it is important to take the time to consider how to positively frame your lessons. That means being explicitly positive about the lesson and critically what the pupils can achieve. You are narrating to the students your belief in their potential to not just meet, but exceed your expectations. Using positive reinforcement to encourage constructive behaviour is a powerful tool for fostering a better climate in your lessons. So how do you practically achieve that? So again, Sam writes the following. You can build in positivity from the start in how you begin lessons. You can relate back to yesterday's lesson. What a fantastic lesson we had yesterday, folks. I'm really, really excited about this lesson ahead. You can try and embrace a mindset that is as possible, as positive, excuse me, rather, as possible, as possible about the young people in front of you. And you can praise the behaviours you want from the individuals in the classroom. You can be really explicit about that. That's a fantastic level of focus there. And positivity and calmness are obviously really interconnected. So the more calm you can be, the more positive you are likely to be. And how do we keep calm and how do we keep positive? We don't hold grudges against young people. We give them a new start every time they come in the classroom. And we also think quite carefully about the reward system that we want to establish. So, and what I'm giving you here is a tiny snapshot of Sam's book. Okay, that's three out of 50 scenarios. And that gives you an insight just to how useful this book is. It's full of practical ideas, it's full of optimism, it's full of humour, and it really is a book I'd recommend to get hold of at the start of your academic year. So, just to repeat, that book is called They Don't Behave For Me, 50 Classroom Behaviour Scenarios to Support Secondary Phase Teachers. And I'll finish with a line from Sam, which is the following. We should never condone poor behaviour. The bigger challenge is the need to keep going, to persevere, to find the answers to resolve things when they go wrong. Should we give up? Well, like Maverick, I say not today.
So I hope that's given you some ideas. As I say, Wednesday's episode, another one with Sam, where we're here to talk about how to really get that really positive behaviour from the start of the year as sorted as possible. And for people who are starting off, I know Scottish schools, you've been in, mixed in it for a couple of weeks now. If you are back at school in the next week or so, I wish you the very best for a brilliant academic year ahead. Thank you so much for listening.